Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, once our guest presents, we like to turn it over to them so that they can then uh, tell us all the things that they are doing right now, they have created, and then we will go back and deconstruct that information so we can learn how to become better human spirits while we occupy this land or this little place that we call Earth for the moment. Uh, because we're going to change form, but uh, we have a guest that has accomplished much, and I cannot wait because um, he's going to help you and I to become better human spirits while we are here on this planet. Rob, welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, sir. Thank you so much for having me today, Ken. Oh, my pleasure, man. Talk to the people. Tell us some of the things that you have created in life, uh, where you are today, and then we'll have a, a journey um, <laughs> coming back to today. Go ahead. Well, very good. Well, I was I was very l- lucky that at a fairly young age in high school, I knew what I wanted to do, at least for my first part of my career. And I, I went from high school directly to a film school, photography and film school, and uh, got my degree in film. And then right after that, at age uh, 22, I set up my own film production company. And I... Uh, Loved outdoor sports, uh, mountain climbing and skiing and kayaking and lots of adventure sports. And I was lucky enough to be able to make a living doing exactly what I loved. So I traveled all over the world making uh, sports films and worked for lots of Fortune 500 companies and that sort of thing. So I had a wonderful, wonderful career doing that. And uh, I did it for 20 years, and I tell people I loved it for 19 and a half years. <laughs> and when I stopped loving it, I stopped doing it. Yeah. And uh, a year after that, my wife and I uh, sold our home, and we bought a sailboat, and we spent the next 17 years sailing around the world. Oh, that sounds like a good thing. I want to talk to you about a couple of things, but, but I love this. Um, you're one of the first persons that I've in- interviewed, and I've interviewed over 100 people that got it right in the beginning, uh, meaning uh, that they knew exactly what they wanted to do. And I tell people um, that's where a lot of us, uh, Rob, are making the mistake. We don't know or we don't spend the much time that is necessary to find out what is it we like to do and then go into that industry and work within that industry and and um, most of us we're floating around you talk to someone in college their first year in college what do you want to do i don't know and because they don't know we float and so i am honored to be here to hear you got it you said i, I hooked in and it took you 19 years 19 and a half 
before you unplugged and add into your other thing. Um, what I want to talk to you, um, some of those mindsets, uh, uh, Rob, that you went in and you know what you wanted to do. Uh, talk to me about some of the fears and, and things that you had to deal with as you're moving on, even though you knew exactly what you wanted to do. You know, in hindsight, I mean, you make it sound like I knew what I want, that I uh, was intelligent or had some skill. And I'm not sure that's true at the time. And even now, I think I was just lucky that I, uh, that I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew all my friends were, like you said, they were applying to a bunch of liberal arts colleges or going off to do different things and didn't really know what they wanted. And I'm not sure that it's a, a bad thing not to know at 18 what you want to do with your life. Yeah. I had started mountain climbing and the, uh, I live in Colorado and the Rockies were so magnificent when I was about 15, 16 and I was up in the mountains. And it, in those days we had these terrible little point and shoot cameras mm -hmm. and I would take a photograph of the majesty of the mountains and then I'd show somebody the photograph and it, the mountains would be about a millimeter tall in the photograph. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't cre convey the grandeur of what I was seeing yeah. and feeling. And that led me to photography to want to take better pictures so I could communicate to people. Mm -hmm. And really now, 50 years later, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still all about communicating to people. So today I work as a motivational speaker and a, a corporate trainer yeah. teaching people how to have an extraordinary and a very fulfilling life. So that thread has stayed through throughout my life. I've just done it in a different way. I did it through film. Now I do it through my voice on stage and that sort of thing. Oh, that is awesome. So talk to us um, because uh, a lot of people are caught in what I say, even though uh, they're not sure. Uh, talk to them, help them, Ron, uh, to um, slow down and go in and pull out the information that uh, if you can guide them towards that place, because a lot of us, um, a lot of people are stuck there. Um, is there any any understanding guidance that you can give them for someone in that, in well, that location? For, for me, my guiding principle is I'm still that 10-year-old boy that I was on the first day of summer vacation where you wake up early on that first day of summer vacation and I used to run out the door and jump on my bike to join my friends and it's the first day of vacation you have your whole, the whole summer before you and you have a million and one possibilities and nothing is going to stop you from making all your dreams come true mm -hmm. and I'm still that little boy and that's really been the guiding principle. I think that life is supposed to be fun. Me too. So I have one guiding principle. Life is supposed to be fun. And I have one rule. You can't hurt anybody else on the way to achieving your own happiness and fun. Yeah. And really, I still live by those two rules. I wake up every day focused on what I'm going to do that's going to make me happy today. And as long as I don't hurt anybody else on the way to my happiness, that's okay. Yeah. So that's what... That's sort of been my guiding principle, and I also feel, as I said earlier, that I was about communicating. I'm about making other people's lives better. I've had an incredible life. I've been to a 100 countries and met billionaires and presidents and barefoot villagers on six continents, and I want to use 
what I've done with my life to inspire other people to say, yes, you can have the life you want and you just have to go for it. And I teach a series of uh, steps to get there. Um, in terms of the, the career part of it for young people, I kind of have a three step process that I share on how to figure out what it is they might want to do with their lives. Mm -hmm. And the first step is to make a list of all the things that you're good at, that you like to do, that maybe your friends recognize you're good at and they ask for your help with. And uh, so if you make a list of all those things that you're good at and that you like to do, that's a starting place. And then figure out a problem you can solve for somebody by doing those things. So let's say that uh, maybe you like to write poetry. Now, on the surface of it, you would say, look, there's no such thing as a career writing poetry. I mean, there's two or three poets for every million people. Mm -hmm. But who could you solve a problem for by writing poetry? Yeah. Well, musicians, country western singers and pop singers and rap stars, they need lyrics. Yep. So you could solve a problem for them by writing poetry, writing lyrics. And how could you get paid doing that? That's the third step. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly they pay very well for that for songwriters. Mm -hmm. So you could take something that's sort of impractical as a career writing poetry. You figured out that you like the poetry. Number two is you solve a problem for somebody who needs a poet. Mm -hmm. And then three, you figure out how you can get paid doing that. And so if people can follow that, young people looking for careers or people in midlife changing, if they can go through those three steps, they might find a path forward to where they can find a career doing what they love, which is, of course, what I did with my filmmaking. I, mm -hmm. I wanted to ski and mountain climb and kayak and, and sail and travel, and I made a very, very good living doing all those things. And I bet you you didn't burn out. Yeah, <laughs> because I tell people burn out uh, raw because they get into a place where they don't want to. They go in because of... Uh, quote unquote, the uh, the money is good and all that, but there's no joy, there is no of that type stuff, as you said, that a young person is interested in, and because of that, it saps their energy out. They burn out, they lay up on the floor, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff because they haven't found it. And I think that's perfect what you had just laid out. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah, I've I've never worked a day in my life. If you describe work as doing something to earn money. Mm -hmm. And so I've really never worked a day in my life. I've just done things that I love to do and I've gotten paid for it. Yeah. I used to tell my kids, uh, this was the exercise I would tell my kids and I did it with my kids was we would lay on the floor, Rob, and I would tell them, close their eyes and I'd say, you are a multimillionaire. You're making a million dollars a minute. What would you do? And of course, you know, you, they'll have them. I said, what would you want to do? They'll say the, the stuff that everyone says. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. And then I would strip away and said, yeah, but I didn't say what you want to buy. I said, what would you do as an individual, even though you have all that money? And that's Rob. I used to see that stuff as it peeled away. And then they would, uh, I would tell them, if it's a garbage man you want to be, look into the industry and figure out how can I change it to a level. How, do a part of it that you enjoy and so that you can bring some value to it. And then your money will come. As you begin to open up, you'll see different ways to, to monetize it. 
And then you, you, you enjoy what you're doing. I did that with my kids when they were little boys laying on the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if you, if, you serve, if you serve others, you will always make money. Yes. I mean, if you're doing, solving a problem for somebody else, doing something for them, they will pay you for that. And that's, the, to me, the, the, at the attitude you should bring to what you're looking for to do as a career. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It is it, then it's not work, is it, Rob? It's not. It's not work. It, it's something. Absolutely. Else, that's what we're trying to get people to switch over from working to doing something else, something that you enjoy. As Rob was saying, that uh, young ten-year-old boy, and that's where you need to do. I believe the kids, being a child, we get it. It's in there, Rob, but we don't pull it out. Um, we allow other people to pull it, um, stick it in there, and like you said, your coach may find it. Your, your, one of your teachers may find it. One of your friends may see it and, and bring it to you in passing. And you have to be um, alert enough to go out. Hmm. And then you'd start doing the necessary steps to find out a little more detail about that. And then you go from there, as you said. That was perfect. I love it. So here you are. You are doing, not working. You, you work for 19 years, 19 and a half. Not work. I apologize. Wrong word. You, you were, <laughs> you were uh, enjoying your life. And you got to a place where you're like, okay, I want a little more. Um, talk to me as to that half a year, Rob. That half a year, that 19 and a half, where you said, okay, I want to do something next. Well, we had had a uh, sort of had a 10-year plan that we wanted to retire early and go sailing. But when uh, we stopped, when I say I stopped loving as much what I was doing, then I decided it was time to pull the trigger on that and and move the, the clock forward quite a bit. And so there was just a half a year while we figured out how to close down our business and what we were doing and buy a boat and all that. And then... Uh, then we got off onto a, a new adventure and, and we were sort of looking for different things. We had, uh, you know, you, what you talked about with the exercise with your kids, with the mil, you know, if you were a millionaire, we had spent a lot of time filming the America's Cup sailboat race. Mm -hmm. And so, and high-end yacht racing and the people that do that are all billionaires or multi-multi-millionaires in the very top echelons of that sport. Yeah. And so we had spent our time with lots and lots of billionaires and, and millionaire, multimillionaires, and some of them were happy and some of them were not happy. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, we were sailing around the world, sharing our lives with barefoot villagers in third world countries. And some of those people were happy and some were not happy. Yeah. And I got interested in that and I started looking for the... uh the the red thread, if you will, that led through why are certain people happy with nothing or why are certain people unhappy with everything. And so I sort of did a study and focused on human happiness and fulfillment, and that's become kind of the passion of the next portion of my life, I would say, is to try and share with people the strategies of happiness. And happiness needs to be taught. We all bought into this uh, false notion that if you check all the boxes, you know, you have a, a happy uh, upbringing and you go to college and you get a decent job and you get married and have a family and you get some job advancement and you have a reasonable salary, that happiness will 
happen to you like a lightning strike or by osmosis or something, and that doesn't in fact happen. Yeah. Happiness needs to be taught just like learning how to ski or play tennis or play an instrument. And so now I try and teach people the strategies for happiness. Now talk to me, because um, while you were talking about that, I remember um, uh, this book that I read when I was uh, uh, young, uh, Think and Grow Rich, and um, all of where he gathered all of the different millionaires and stuff like that and was looking for that thread um, and the book that he produced and so forth. Uh, talk to me, because this is a fascinating piece, uh, because it's still within human behavior and human mentality, as to you have the people in the villages and you have the multi-millionaires um, that are suffering from the same dis-ease, if you will. Um, talk to me about what you learned, some of those threads that you learned, and I know it's part of your thing, but I just want you to give like a, a brief thing about it. You don't have to go into details because I want to send the people to you so that they can go into the dig, the, the, the meat of the stuff. But uh, uh, talk to us about some of those threads that you notice with um, both uh, uh, parties because you have people that are happy uh, uh, that, that are in the villages and I've, I've met many of those and, and the fact that happiness has to be something that is taught. Talk to me about the, those threads that you notice. Well, I would say the first thing is giving yourself permission to be happy. A lot of people don't really realize that, number one, they have that opportunity or that you're supposed to be happy. You know, uh, Aristotle, the uh, philosopher, said happiness is the meaning and purpose of life, the whole aim and end of human existence. And that's, as I said, that's me. That's I'm still that 10-year-old boy. And so a lot of people don't even realize that, number one, happiness is our purpose here, or number two, that they can even give themselves permission to go and achieve a happy life. So the first part of it is just a giving yourself permission. The next part of it is making the decision to be happy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really that simple. What You first decide to be happy and then all the kind of success that's in the book, Think and Grow Rich, happens to you. In other words, when you are happy, you are more creative, you're more productive, you're more, you have better relationships. And therefore, when you do all those things, you find out you can create more wealth in your life because you, you have a happy persona that attracts all that other stuff. So it's not, I will be happy when I get to a million. Yes. You decide, I will be happy. And when you be, then are happy and do the things that happy people do, you find money flows to you much more readily. Yeah, it's a, so that, those are kind of the first couple of steps of it. Yeah, it's a change in energy, Rob. I tell people it's a changing of the energy that you're sending out. Um, and so when you are in a state of happiness, I believe when we, especially when we, uh, uh, there's this uh, scripture in the Bible, it says, um, that talked about decide a thing and it shall be established. And I keep telling people, it is one of the most powerful principles you'll ever run across in your life. If you haven't decided, you can't do anything because you'll be back and forth and not able to uh, release your energy 
uh, and the energy, Rob, is those words that are coming out of your mouth. You're not going to be able to send it with focus. And I tell them all the time that people are energy because we are just dropped into this house. And so when you release your energy, it calls all those people and circumstances and situations into your life to accomplish what you just release. And so you learn to, you have to decide, as you said, it is very simple, but it's so hard for people to get there, isn't it, uh, uh, to, to decide? Absolutely. Well, that's why I say the permission part of that comes yeah. first, giving themselves permission to realize their purpose here is to be happy. And then, as you said, to make the decision. And I think uh, something you mentioned in your introduction about when we were talking in the just before we started about uh, people's life journey and, and what we do. And I think all of us in our life's journey have picked up, have encountered some kind of challenges, difficulties, whatever you want to call it. And we have stories about that that we carry with us. And I find the next part of being happy is to change the stories that you tell about yourself. You know, when, when we sold our three-bedroom home and moved on to our 350-square-foot sailboat, mm-hmm. we could only take a little bit of stuff with us. You don't have room for much on a sailboat. And so we had to get rid of a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And we could only take with us on the boat things that were going to help us sail better or live better in our new life on the boat or be safer on the boat. So we could only help us take things that would help us in the future. Yeah. And any stuff that we were carrying that we couldn't, that wouldn't help us on the boat, we just threw it away, threw it overboard, got rid of it. And that's a perfect analogy for all of us because we're all carrying baggage and stories from our life that aren't going to help us get to who we want to be tomorrow, next week, next year. And so people really need to get rid of their old baggage that's keeping them from getting where they want to get to. And the way to do that is to change the story. We've all had difficulties in our life, and those difficulties made us who we are today, so we should be grateful Grateful. for them. But we can't carry the pain of those stories. We need to take the lesson and leave the pain behind. And so that's part of being happy is to reinvent your new story. So if you have a a painful story in your past, you got fired from some job or your mom was mean to you or some bad thing happened, um, rewrite that story. Figure out the lesson you learned from it. Leave the pain behind. Take the lesson and move on. And granted, some people have had terrible traumatic things that require mental help professionals to help them overcome it. What I'm talking about is not going to help you if you've been through some very severe trauma. You should seek out a mental health professional. But all of us have some kind of trauma that we've dealt with. And if you can reinvent that story, then uh, you'll be able to move forward in a different way. Yeah, it's changing the perspective of how you look at it. And once you change the perspective, you take away the power of the uh, negative story. Because there is no negative in your new perspective. And so there's no power in that thought. And so you're able to move from one space to the other and be able to to master uh, that. And I tell people, this is how you master a situation. Change your perspective on it. Don't allow it to um, 
turn inwards because I believe, Rob, that's where a lot of our disease come from because it's trapped energy from, um, uh, in some cases, where we're just rehearsing, rehearsing uh, a particular thought which creates an energy. I know about the trauma because we all, as you said, are traumatized. But what we do with it, um, as you said, change. we have to change the perspective, which will change our story so that we can move on to the next phase of our lives. Don't allow that to keep you uh, stagnated uh, because a lot of people, Rob, are not able to release themselves from it because they, they are so trapped within the rewinding of the negative aspect of that story. So um, is there any uh, uh, nugget that you can... Just drop right here about them as to how to do that. Well, I'll, I use another analogy. We've all burnt our hand on the stove at some point in our life. Yeah. And one message you could take from that is, I'm never going to eat hot food again. <laughs> and that would really be a shame. But a lot of people do that. You know, they have some negative experience. I mean, they have a bad breakup and they enter their next relationship with one foot out the door yeah. or Literally, they take the message of don't eat hot food again, stoves are bad. And instead, you could take a completely different message is you need to be careful when you're around stoves, but hot food is really worth worth having. Yeah. So uh, just change the story. And I take people through a process where they actually do that. You, you think about the story without attaching any emotion to it at all. Yeah. And then you figure out the lesson and then you totally focus on the lesson. And then when you tell the story both in your own head or out loud to somebody else, you tell it with the new ending, with the lesson learned, without any pain attached to it. And that's one way to work through that. that and then another very, very simple thing people can do is a gratitude practice. This is probably the easiest trait of happiness to, to adopt. Mm-hmm. And it, towards the end of every day, sometimes sit down and write. You have to write them down five things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, six things that you're grateful for. And you have to take five minutes to do it. Now, it might only take you a minute to write all six, but you have to spend five minutes on it and focus on why each one of those things you're grateful for. And it could be something as simple as, you know, your kid had a good day at school or got a good grade on a test or, you know, you got a parking spot near the front door or whatever. It could be something very simple. Mm -hmm. But write down six things that you're grateful for that happened today. Spend five minutes thinking about why each of those things, why you're grateful for each one of them. And if you do that practice every day for 30 days, it'll likely become a habit and just that little five minutes a day will change how you think about life. Literally, five minutes a day focusing on what you're grateful for can change how you think about your life and your boss and your job and, you know, the challenges you're having with your family or your kids or your spouse. All of that can change with little five-minute-a-day focus on gratitude. I'm, I, everyone that is listening, what he's saying to you guys is dropping some tremendous amount of uh, insight and um, as we progress, uh, uh, you'll, I'm going to make sure you guys have access to, to Rob because I want you to get with him so that you can take you to this next level as he's uh, uh, expressing all this insight. Rob, I wanted you to talk to us about some of those um, travels that you have because you gain a lot of stuff as you move from one culture to another, as you begin to see people, um, how their belief system is different, how, what type of stuff... 
talk to us about some of those experiences as you encounter the newness of new culture, belief systems, um, while you are on, on, on your boat. Um, let me decide which story I want to tell you here. Uh, there's so many of them. You know, in our sailing, we went... We went through kind of three phases in the the time we were sailing. And the first phase, I sometimes refer to it as the, the don't die phase. <laughs> and that was the very beginning where we're learning how to be safe on the boat, how to navigate properly, not put your boat on a reef or end your life in a storm in the <laughs> South Pacific or something. And so that was kind of the first phase. It was very inwardly focused. We were totally focused on ourselves and, and how to learn and do all this stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of a short period of time. And then the second phase was kind of a, a mutual give and take phase. Uh, we went to a lot of third world countries like you're, you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. And we always carried school supplies to give to the kids and usually fish hooks or tools or yeah. batteries is what the men wanted. We carried sewing supplies for the women. Mm-hmm. And lots of old clothes and books and things like that. And we always gave all this stuff away. And when we did that, of course, the people invited us into their lives. So it was, it was a benefit to them and a benefit to us. And it, it benefited both parties. We got to see their life and what they were all about and we got to help them. But we realized the help that we were giving them was just a band-aid. I mean, you know, we would sail on and a year later or a month later, they would need new school supplies or more pens or pencils or whatever it was. And so we really weren't contributing in a big way. Mm -hmm. And our days were literally spent every day making ourselves happy. We pinched ourselves at the end of every day saying, do you believe we're so lucky to get to do this? And after living that way for quite a while, we felt a desperate need to contribute more than we were contributing. Mm -hmm. But it was hard because we were in a different place every week or month or, you know, we might stay somewhere for six months or whatever. But eventually we moved on and we didn't really leave a lot behind us. And we sailed, when we left uh, uh, Australia, we sailed to Indonesia Mm -hmm. and on the B, our first landfall in Indonesia was kind of a medium-sized city named Kupang, yeah. and we met a young woman on the beach, and she offered to be our guide so she could practice her English. Mm-hmm. And she was such an amazing young woman. If she'd been in the United States, she had been on a full-ride scholarship to Harvard or some great university. She was so bright and personable, and her parents only made about $200 a month. And luckily, she had gotten a scholarship to the local teaching college, Mm -hmm. and she was studying to be a teacher. And she so inspired us, and we knew there must be so many other young women like her that we decided to see if we could leave something a little more behind than just school supplies. And in the matter of one week, we met with the president of the university, and we got him to waive the entrance requirements for any students that we might sponsor on a scholarship. And we met with the headmasters of several of the high schools, and we set up a academic criteria and a scholarship criteria based on both academics and financial need. Mm -hmm. And so in honor of this young woman who so inspired us, in the matter of one week, we set up a college scholarship program, and we knew all the other itinerant sailors like ourselves who were just passing through would want to contribute. And it's been 13 years now. We set up a scholarship program. It's completely supported just by itinerant sailors going through. 
It's been 13 years now, and we've sent 29 kids through a five year five years of college. That is awesome. And so that kind of contribution is uh, was the most important part of what we did while we were out sailing, and it certainly contributed to our own happiness because I think long term happiness is only possible when you're contributing to something bigger than yourselves. You know, that exercise you did with your kids of what would you do if you had all the money you needed, that works for a while. But at some point you realize you can't just make yourself happy. You have to contribute to others, something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Everything that we we came down to, once we began to unravel all the other things that they say, the last thing that they would do was serve it. It is, I think, um, Rob, I think it is the greatest gift that we are given as we walk through our um, our journey uh, to become a servant. I, that's how I label it. We put teachers, we put all these other titles, but to become a servant, Rob, to me, it is the greatest honor as a human being that we could have while we are here. And so because you're doing it from a place of uh, you're not looking for anything, there's this joy, there's this happiness that um, is a reward. I told people that's our reward from the service that we perform. This joy and happiness that is on us that you cannot have a price on in any world. Absolutely. We're in complete agreement on that. Yeah. It is it is absolutely an honor to be there and I tell people get there as fast as you can. Um that means that you have to go through all your all your stuff so that you're able to to become a teacher and a servant to to people. Uh so I tell them I said I I use this example man that uh uh we I remember reading this in church that Jesus and we see he being a representation of God was standing there washing his disciples' feet. And I'm like, you know, that is to me blew my mind. And uh, he considered that an honor. And if he did, you and I can surely consider it an honor to be able to serve our fellow mankind, uh, to help them to become even bigger than who they are. That's what every one of my sons, Rob, at the final end of it, with all the money and everything, the thing that made them happy, because these are the little kids. Again, we they don't have all the responsibility to ask about it, you know. So they bought all of that stuff, and then at the very end, they're laying there and says, yeah, I would do this, I would want to do this, and it was always uh, to service, and that's what I told them. And these guys are, my youngest is 30. 33, 34, and that's what they're doing, service to people as well. So um, uh, it is a great place to be. Now, I want you to talk to me about some of those things because I know you got a couple more stories in there uh, that uh, has some insights that uh, you had mentioned uh, on the onset that uh, you want to talk about a couple of stories that uh, you bring out the um, the key or the power out of it, the principle. Give me a couple more stories because I believe being on the water, being on the sailor, being on all those things with uh, you're getting to see the wind, you're learning how to uh, uh, incorporate knowledge from all over the place, from encounters with people, things. Talk to us, Rob. Uh, 
because I know you got a lot of stuff on your mind. Well, when we first started sailing, we left from Florida, and the first country, foreign country we sailed to was in the Bahamas, and this was quite a while ago, uh, pre-early internet days, I would say, mm-hmm. and uh, we, cl- when you clear in on a sailboat, it's not like getting off an airplane and going through customs. You You anchor in the bay, and you have to go ashore and find the customs building and all that. And we went in, and they were filling out our forms on these ancient typewriters with carbon paper. And, of course, millennials don't even know what carbon paper is. But anyway, they were typing our forms in triplicate with this these ancient typewriters. And my first thought was, this is so backwards. We do it so much more efficiently in the United States. But luckily, I slapped myself. And my second thought was, if I wanted it done like they do in the United States, I should have just stayed home. <laughs> and, and so the, the lesson was really that we were traveling to observe without judgment and learn from other people. And that a lot of people today are certainly familiar with mindfulness meditation. Yeah. And when you meditate that way, you, you breathe deeply and you meditate and you just let your thoughts roll and you observe your thoughts without judging your thoughts. You don't put any expectations or shoulds or shouldn'ts on your thoughts. You just observe what you're, you're thinking. And so we kind of adapted that concept of, of being present with your thoughts mm-hmm. and not judging them. We adapted that from the meditation practice to how we looked at life. Yeah. We tried to observe without judging and just to live in the present moment completely. And that made a huge difference for us because our sailing, we didn't really have, I mean, our destination was ultimately maybe to sail around the world, but that's such a big goal. You know, it's not like you focus on, I'm going to arrive in my car to the next place in an hour. Mm -hmm. It was just a very somewhere out there goal. Our really goal today was to enjoy today, to be with the people we were with, be present and learn from them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, happiness uh, is a, emotion that only exists in the present moment. I can't store up extra happiness today and use it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to feel happy, I have to be fully present. I have to put down my telephone and forget about likes on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I have to be in the present moment and experience it with all five of my senses to the best of my ability. So if you want to be happy, you have to be in the present moment and you have to observe without judging what you're seeing. You know, if you, we all have different rules for life. Mm -hmm. I have rules for what's okay to do on a, on a podcast and you probably have different rules. Mm -hmm. And if I expect you to live by my rules, I'm setting myself up for disappointment. So right in this very moment, I have to just be here, be fully present and let you be fully present and be the person you are. And I'm not judging you. I'm just being here with you enjoying the moment to the maximum I can. And so the way to experience your happiness is to be in the moment. The way to experience more happiness is to have less judgment of what how others should behave or even how you should behave. And so that's the way to experience your happiness more. But there's two things you cannot do when you're being totally present. You can't be beating yourself up over your past mistakes mm-hmm. And you can't feel, be feeling anxiety over the future. Mm-hmm. 
can't do that when you're in prison. So I love that. I, that's why um, I know being on a boat, you have to be present. You, it forces you to be. Uh, because the slightest uh, not presentness, if I want to use a word, <laughs> can get you in trouble. Life and death. And so Absolutely. you have to be able to, and I'm glad that you, you talked about that, uh, uh, Rob, because what you learned on the boat, you learned, you, you allowed to guide your life and uh, off the boat, on the water, uh, on the land. And it is a practice that you walk and do all day long. That is the key, guys. Um, I'm telling you, this is the key. What Rob is talking about is the key to your happiness. This is how we ought to be living. I know a lot of people uh, are afraid to be present, but it is the place of joy. It's the place of happiness. You need to get there. Rob, I want to thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. I want to send every single body that I can to get to your site because the stuff you are talking about and the demonstration of your life as to your servanthood, the uh, bigness of what you want to out of life, all of those things, uh, people need to grab onto it so that they can become more effective on this planet and more full of joy and happiness while they're here, man. Very good. Well, uh, mostly what I do today is I actually work with corporations uh, and I teach a happiness formula. And I'm so glad that... Uh, I think this is sort of the silver lining in the pandemic is that during the pandemic, millions of people started asking themselves questions like about your, the, the, the subject of your podcast, basically. Yeah. Millions of people started saying, why am I not happy yeah. and what should I be doing differently to be happy? So I think your podcast is extremely timely because the pandemic has created more people wanting that happiness. And that's what I do. I go into corporations and I teach people a, a formula for happy and the corporation wins because happy workers are more productive. They sell more. They accomplish more for the company, but they're also building a thriving life for themselves. So that's what I do. But I do have a number of uh, uh, resources on my website that people can access for free, uh, formulas for happiness, uh, some financial stuff, how we were able to retire at 42 and sail around the world. And so that's uh, available as a free resource on our, my website. My website is robdubin.com, my, my name, R-O-B-D-U-B-I-N.com. And if people go to the Frequently Asked Questions page, there's a little form they can fill out there, and they'll get an email with all kinds of uh, free resources. Excellent. Uh, get it, everyone, because... Um... You need to be in a state of happiness. I believe, Rob, that's why the pandemic came. I, I, don't, I don't look at it as what it's doing. I think that's why it came. It came, uh, it was an opportunity given to us as humans uh, to uh, look at what we consider, uh, what we're doing to ourselves and reconsider, uh, reevaluate our process by which we are doing things. I believe with all my heart that that was the purpose of this thing. It also gave businesses a way to reevaluate how do they perform? What do they consider um, uh, an employee should look like? What, what are the needs of the employee? And then, Rob, I believe that now it, we are in a stage where the leaders 
are being forced into a situation as to what is real to you, what's important. I believe that, Rob, was the beginning, a gift of mankind, as we were talking about. You're, you're very prescient there for sure, because that is what the leaders, in the past, the leaders focused on how can we make you happy at work? And now they're realizing the question is, how can we make you happy in your life? Yes. And so the leaders are at, trying to get that for their employees, which is a great thing. Yes. Thank you again, sir, for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. I do appreciate all that you've given to us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Ken. It was a great experience. It was great. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.